This is BTS with CTV behind the scenes, behind the stories we bring you from the CTV Vancouver newsroom. My name is Penny Dalfoss and I'll be your guide behind the curtain, which takes us to a Metro Vancouver airport where one of our senior videographers pulled out all the stops for a feature story about an aircraft that just made Canadian aviation history. See how fast I think it is. Gary Barnt is one of the top news shooters in the country, having won multiple awards, traveling overseas on assignment, and generally raising the bar for his co-workers with the kind of innovative work he does day in and day out. Yeah, clap. Okay, so starting your position there. This time, he really went above and beyond with the kind of professional videography that really takes viewers inside the story, making them feel like they were there with us. Excellent. Thank you so much for being on BTS with CTV. You're one of a handful of people to be on the pod twice now. Oh my goodness. Uh, do Is there extra cash and prizes involved in this? Or uh... I wish I could say there were extra treats, but I got no treats uh, this time either. Again, okay, well, fine. I'm glad to be here again. You and I have worked together so much because we work well together. We both try to be creative, but this time was a very special shoot for a story about an electric plane. And I have never before been involved in a story that involved five cameras. Yeah, it was. Uh, that was probably the most cameras I've used on a shoot. I didn't use all of them, so he, I will shout out to Pete Klein, who was uh, Chopper 9, so that's camera one. We'll call that camera one. Then there was my main camera, which was camera two. Which is an ENG a camera. ENG camera, yeah. And then I brought my own uh, digital SLR, a Panasonic GH5, for all you geeks out there that want to know what I'm shooting on. <laughs> and then I also brought two GoPro cameras. One of which was mounted on an Osmo. And just explain what an Osmo is. Yeah. It's actually, the GoPro has something called a Karma Grip, and that's their proprietary. It's the oh. same as the Osmo, but you just you can plug in the um, GoPro into it, and then you can turn it on from there and all that. And it's basically just a three-axis stabilizer. So you can do walking shots, or you can mount it, and it just smooths out the footage for walking and stuff like that. So I, you use that for, you know, like I walked around the plane and did some kind of walking shots. And it's a lot smoother than trying to do it with your big camera on your shoulder, because you can kind of do it smooth, but you can't do it as smooth as you can with these these electronic gimbals, which are all the rage. I mean, you can get them for your iPhones now and and the D, all DSLRs. I mean, there's so many of them available out there. So, and it gives the impression of it's like a steady cam, like one of those yeah. super expensive things that you used to see back in the day. But now you can just do it with a really tiny piece of equipment. Yeah, I mean, exactly. If we had shot this exact same story 20 years ago when I started here, when we were VTV, we did have a steady cam unit that we used in. Um, in the um, newscast, but that's a, I, I, I never used it, but some of the photographers did. I mean, was it would that be like a 30 or 40 pound unit to strap on. Then you're putting a 25 pound camera. It would have been the full size news cameras that you see now on there. So you're, you're running 50, 60 pounds on your body. That would have been impossible to do on a shoot like we did today because that takes time to rig it, balance it. So instead of me just whipping this thing out of the camera bag, shooting something for two minutes, and then we're done. Let's move on to the next thing. Would have been like an hour or two just to, for three or four shots, right? And there must be some professional videographers listening to this story right now saying, why on earth did you go through all that effort? You can get your wide shots, medium shots, close-ups. You can shoot sequences, all the typical news things that you want. You could have done that with your ENG, your electronic news gathering news camera. Yeah. But in this case, you're an aviation geek. The story was really cool, super visual. And I love that we were able to do something outside of our normal formulaic thing, whether it's a press conference or a regular interview. Like, I'm so glad that you went through this effort because this is the type of story that was just begging for something special. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the time now you don't have the opportunity to 
I mean, I would say get as creative as you'd like. I mean, a lot of the time, yeah, you're going to do a story and you might go and interview somebody in their office. Great. You've got the interview done. You can set that up and make it nice and light it. But the B roll, which is the, which is a term used from the film days is you have your A roll is what your main camera was shooting. And then your B camera was shooting the B roll is you need to cover that. Well, if a person's in an office, probably going to be them typing on a computer right and that's not that exciting right so this is a okay this is a guy in a uh, he's got a plane the other issue was uh you know we couldn't have anybody he it's an experimental aircraft so he can't take passengers right now until he's certified which broke my heart yes <laughs> penny was just ready to get in there and everything so it's like okay well we need to see him fly so you know if you so that's where the gopros come in and you know gopros have basically turned television around because you just get the, all these they're small they're they're easy to put in places so i mounted two in there so you get two different views of him flying and then you know when you have the opportunity you can call in a helicopter you call in chopper nine and they did the air-to-air stuff so because i can shoot him taking off i can shoot him landing i even shoot him flying by but that's not that exciting that's a great five second shot but you know if you can have him taking off and the helicopter shooting straight down as he's taking off and coming towards the helicopter i mean that's all great visuals right and that's why it's like okay more the more the more angles it just makes it more interesting like i'm a big fan of um certain reality shows i was a big fan of like deadliest catch and highway through hell uh, and, and, you know, they use multiple angles, multiple cameras, and they add it rapidly, and it just makes it more interesting than just one camera. I know, hearing this, the editor who's going to be cutting this <laughs> is going to be cursing my name because there's a lot of footage for you and the editor to go through because there's multiple angles. But I think it just, at the end, the story's going to look way better than just showed up with my one camera, you know, shot, shot, interview. There he is taxing out. There's a shot of him taking off. There's a shot of him landing. I mean, sometimes that's all the time we have to do if it's a quick thing. But we had a little bit of time, so we had a little fun with it. And it makes it more challenging. It makes more work for me and for you and for everybody else. But I think at the end, it, the product just looks so much better, right? Well, it's the difference between just saying this happened yeah. and this is what it was like to be there. Like for me, just crafting the story, yeah, there's going to be an hour worth of footage and, and interview material and all sorts of stuff to go through for a minute and a half, minute 45 story. Yeah. But but it's, it's such a huge difference to feel like for the viewer, for them to feel like they were there as opposed to hearing about this thing that happened. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's just, just it just makes it more interesting. And I think the, you know, the subject, he's going to be he's quite happy with it too. And hopefully uh, all the people who are in, who are pilots out there will find it fascinating and give us feedback because i mean i like doing those kind of stories i you know we have if we have the time and you know they're very visual airplanes boats all that kind of stuff can be very visual if you if you've got the time and you get go get some gopros you can have a lot of fun with it and just makes it look more interesting and we have more fun that way right and just to give people a sense of how things generally work, we usually get an assignment that we have to turn that day. So I'll, my boss will tell me what to do at like 9.30 in the morning or I'll pitch a story. And then we have to line up our interviews, figure out where we're going to go, what we're going to shoot over the next few hours, have to try to be into editing by 4, 4.30. And then the story airs at 6 o'clock. So yeah. the day actually feels very short. And you don't have a lot of opportunity to be creative and get footage off a couple of GoPros and call in Chopper 9 if it's available and all sorts of stuff. So this was a work-ahead project because because it sounded like a really cool visual story. First electric plane in Canada, lots of fun, very visual. So we were able to take the time to craft that, which is a luxury these days, but it's also such a gift to be able to tell a story like this. Yeah, if we had to try to get this on the air today, it might, we would have had to start a lot earlier in the day and then try to get back a lot earlier for you to try to get 
more footage ingested so we can try to make it that interesting. Otherwise, it, it might have been just a, more of a basic story if we had to kind of turn it. We only, you know, out there at noon, we had to be back by 2 and get it on the air by 5 or 5.30. I mean, and, that, and that's, that, you know, it's time crunch is what we're all used to here. And But like you said, you, when you get a feature and it's like, well, no, it doesn't have to be on today. You have some time. Great. Then you can map it out. And I was already mapping it out at home in my head last night, you know. On my night shift, it's just sitting in the car waiting for something to happen. You know, you're mapping. Okay, well, I'll make sure I put one that way and one facing out so we can see where he's flying. And then you, I want him to pull the airplane out of the hangar, so I'll mount a GoPro on the wing and I'll mount one on the cowling so we can see him pulling it out. And then they can cut between three cameras when he's doing that. I'll set my other camera up for a shot of it, just taxi. Just, you know. And it's sometimes I don't like to recreate things a lot. Um, I like things to naturally happen. So I don't want to have to have people. Sometimes you have to get them to do stuff over and over again. But sometimes it's fun if I can just capture it on the first time and I have like different angles and you don't have to do have them do this. Because some people are like some people are okay with doing it more than once or twice because they understand it. Some people like, well, why am I? Why am I closing that door like five times? Like, you know. Well, and sometimes like we did a story about uh, wedding dresses a few uh, months ago. That was a a local woman and her mother who designed and and make wedding dresses in East Vancouver, which was a beautiful, amazing story. And that one you were lucky because people who are sewing or cutting, it's a repetitive motion. So you're able to not have them repeat it because they're doing it on their own. Yeah, absolutely. And I I remember sometimes somebody told me this way back. And it it was this, this was like 25 years ago when I first started or something. There was a policy, I believe, at CBS News. Is you weren't allowed to recreate anything. That was their policy on CBS News. So I always kind of stuck in my head, like, you got it. Whatever's happening is what you shoot. You can't say, oh, can you do that again? So as simple as like, if a guy's unloading a truck full of beer kegs, well, you got to shoot it as he's doing it. You can't say, okay, can you do that again? You got to get it the first time, and maybe he's doing it three times, and you get you should be able to get three angles of it quite quickly, and then you've got a sequence like that. And just so that people know for CTV policy, if, if you're shooting somebody having a reunion with a family member at an airport, that is never something that we would recreate. We would never ask them to do that again. Absolutely not. But if it's something like someone getting into a vehicle or somebody pouring a cup of tea or something yeah. that is just a, a little thing like that, that, you know, it, it's going to kind of look the same. Those are the types of things that yeah. we're asking people to redo. It's not uh, yeah. something emotional or something that is a one-off. Just to be clear, we, we don't ask people to recreate that. No, no, absolutely. Uh, you, sometimes it's, you got to just go with what's happening and that's going to be your shot and stuff like that. Right. So, yeah. So, so it's, that kind of stuff has always stuck with me. So it's like, you know, let, just let it happen, especially even in an office. I always tell people, well, you know, interview's done. So, can you go, go back to work? Like, what were you doing before I got here? And they said, well, I was just reading emails and responding back to emails. I said, well, fine, do that. I won't shoot the screen to show who you're responding to or what you're emailing about, but I can shoot you typing and looking and that and just pretend I'm not here. And I literally two minutes will go faster if you do it this way than can you pretend to be typing something out? Just go back to work and I'll, uh, I'll work around you. In two minutes, I'll be out of your hair and out of your, out of your life. <laughs> Well, and I just, you know, there's the mundane kind of type of story that we do, which would be like that. It's, it's talking to a newsmaker or somebody who has an issue. And these are important stories to tell. Oftentimes they're not visual. That's why something like this is so special. And I have to say, out of a, a day full of shooting really cool stuff around this electric plane, the absolute coolest part was we asked for approval for Chopper 9 to come in to get those air-to-air shots. But then the disc inside Chopper 9, it's a slightly better resolution from inside the machine. We didn't want them to send it back to the station. So Chopper 9 had to 
to land at Pitt Meadows Airport. And Pete Klein, the the videographer who was in the back of Chopper 9, had to do a handoff to you as you ran up to the... And you're one of our three Chopper 9 videographers. And it was just such a cool thing for you to just... You know, he gave the thumbs up. You ran over to grab the disc so that we could take it back for editing. That was amazing. Yeah, that was that's that's kind of fun when like because I, I knew because right beside where we were is like a police training academy, so they're all police and ambulance guys are standing out there and they're wondering what's going on. You know, Chopper Nine's landing there. It's loud. I'm running to the helicopter. I just grab something, thumbs up to Pete, run back, and then they boom, they're gone. And it's like that is kind of cool. I mean, I know that's silly, but it, it feels feels kind of cool. It's like wow, you know, this helicopter just lands there and hands it off and moves on. And you know, I've done that. Many a time, dropping off stuff in in the province, you know, we'll shoot a go, we'll shoot a wildfire, and the sat truck is parked at the side of the road, and it's like, well, there's a field there, and we're just going to land, and I'm going to hand it off to the sat truck guy, and we're on our way back to Vancouver, and you guys do what you want. But it's it's kind of cool that we have that opportunity, we have that tool, and and to use Chopper Nine in this kind of stuff, where we're, you know, where we're shooting, including in a story where, like, you know, I'm sure Pete's stuff is absolutely fabulous, and instead of just the standard breaking news stuff, which is what it's there for, and it's very important to have that. But just, you know, he can do something different. He's following a plane, and he's going to follow it tight. And, you know, following something from the ground already is tough enough, but try to imagine you're in something that's moving at 100, 100 knots opposite the direction of what the your subject's going, and you're a 1,000 feet away, and you're zoomed in, and you're constantly rolling, keeping that in focus, and you're making sure your iris is okay. I mean, that takes a lot of skill, too, and that's, uh, that's, that's a lot of fun. We've covered Chopper 9 on a previous podcast. If anybody's interested, I believe it's called Aboard the Bird, and it's all about aerial news gathering Chopper 9. And the third CTV uh, news videographer uh, aboard Chopper 9, because you guys do a rotation, Murray Titus is my guest, along with Jim Stibbert, one of our pilots on that episode. So if people want to know more about aerial news gathering aboard Chopper 9, um, that's uh, one of our early episodes on BTS. What I love about Chopper 9 is that it provides a perspective that most people can't have. Like, you would never be able to see whether it's a news event or, like, a rescue or something like that, or whether it's something more interesting. Uh, In that podcast, we talk about seeing a pot of orcas shooting something like this. But I I just want to say that when it comes to TV news storytelling, it's not just the equipment. Because Chopper 9 is a great resource, great perspective. Your ENG camera, the rack focus you can do, the, um, you know, adjusting lighting and all sorts of stuff like that that's great but there's also something to be said for experience and the type of storytelling that you do because it is so different than somebody just posting something there's cool stuff on youtube there's cool stuff on social media but for me i can always tell when it's someone with a professional storytelling background who's really been trained how how do you watch youtube videos and interesting things versus the the work that you do cuz you must pick apart that work as well yeah it's 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 i mean it's gotten a lot better like there's a lot of uh, you know filmmakers now on youtube and i do watch a lot of that stuff cuz you know i'm i'm a camera geek so you know the new cameras come out and then all of a sudden these guys are using them and making these amazing films with like a 1000 dollar camera right my camera now if we had to replace my camera would be still $50,000. That's what a broadcast camera costs by the time you include the lens and everything. It's always, last 30 years, it's been about $50,000. And, you know, these guys are spending $1,000 and they're making these beautiful films. You know, they'll go to Iceland or something and their vaca- their vacation videos. And it's like, yeah. oh my God. So I try to steal ideas from there. But yeah, it's, um, I was taught a long time ago when I first started out from a chief photographer. And he said, basically, when you shoot a story, any frame of that story 
should be you should be able to frame it and put it on a wall. It should be a, it should be a picture. So whatever you shoot, you should shoot it well enough that you could go, oh, it's a beautiful shot of the beach. You should be able to take a still photo of that and put it on the wall. And so that's what I, I it's never left my head is that's what I always try to do. And I'm sure it frustrates some reporters sometimes like, why is he taking so long to, you know, I'm like, well, I'm waiting for that bus to come right through the shot. Just as that airplane is going to land, kind of look like it's like it's going to land on top of the bus with a tree in the foreground, something stupid like that. But I just know that make a great still photo if I could, you know, so I've always been taught that. And I've always gone by that, that you should be able to just take a still frame, hang it up on a wall. I think it shows, though, because, I mean, I love working with you just because we have a lot of fun, but I also love your style. And I remember a couple years ago, there was some story about Pemberton Festival. There's some music festival and you guys were doing, I can't remember the reporter, but you were, your assignment was to do a story on the economic impact that the music festival was having on the local community. And I remember laughing as I saw the story because there was a shot and I was like, I am positive Gary Barnt shot this because it was a barista. You probably don't even remember this because of the way that you shoot, but it was a barista making like a latte or something and they're doing their thing and the foam's coming and the steam's coming. And in the foreground was a plastic dinosaur. And I loved it so much because then I think that was the first shot. And then you went and we could see that it was a kooky little cafe kind of thing. But that little plastic dinosaur to me, it was whimsical, but it also gave you a sense of what kind of place that was. That was not a cookie cutter kind of Starbucks. That was not a super corporate place. It was just a fun little place. And I think that little bit of artistry and watching for those details makes a huge difference in storytelling. Yeah, I, I love having little things in the foreground or to shoot or shoot through things or just have something. I just don't like a sterile frame. I always like to have something in there just to make it look different. And yeah, I think, yeah, I do think I vaguely remember the story. It's, <laughs> there's a lot of stories there, but You've yeah. You've done thousands of stories. Yeah, but at this point, yeah, you know what? I've done a, a thousands of stories, but it's, it's still fun. I still love coming to work every day because we have a job that a lot of people don't where every, you don't know what you're doing when you wake up in the morning and you come in. You have no idea what your story It could be the world's saddest story and a tragic story and you still have to do them. Or you can do the electric plane. Or like I saw on your um, Instagram, you and Pete Klein got to go la- last year and you went and out uh, with a little daycare and hung out with a bunch of little kids. and Outdoor daycare. Outdoor that was daycare, so much fun. Right? And it's like that's the, kind of, that's the kind of stuff you do. It's like every day is different and so that's what keeps the creative of juices flowing it's like well what am i going to do today and okay and a lot of the time a lot of the stories are the same and so i was like well how am i going to make it different because you know i shot that same story last year okay i'm gonna have to make it a little different sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but you know you just do what you can and as long as you're happy with it and you don't hear from anybody afterwards like the reporter or the editor (laughs) then you're okay then you're like okay i've made it all right but don't you think part of making the, the story different every time, whether you're doing uh, another Santa Claus parade or, or you know, some sort of yeah. annual event or another press conference, don't you find a lot of it is the collaboration with a reporter? Because I find that you and I can cook up something different than I see Sinjin walking past us right now as we record this. You and Sinjin would cook up something entirely different. How important is that collaboration to storytelling? And for me, it's really important. I really like to have, have an input with the reporter. Like, usually... What what porters and camera people do when they get together and get in the car? The first thing they gossip for the first half an hour. People, <laughs> they, they 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 hey, did you did you hear this? Well, did you I'm know anything? Not supposed you to tell people. Yeah, this is behind the scene. So you get you get all the, you get all the good stuff out, and then it's like, okay, so what's the story? Okay, this is the story. We're going to do this. Okay, all right. Well, we could do that. Okay, that'll work. And then you you'll bounce stuff off, and the reporter say, well, I've got this person lined up, and I've got this person lined up. Okay, great. And then you'll figure, okay, what can we do for B roll? That would probably work. And you collaborate. And then 
I trust my reporters. Like it, if I'm out shooting something that, you know, they might say, see something, go, oh, you know, this would be good over here. And I was like, great, thank you. Because maybe I don't see what's going on behind me. And there could be a great sequence going on behind me that we should get that too. If we're like at a bakery or something and there's a guy, you know, doing something else. And then, you know, that collaboration continues when you get back to the station because then you and the editor get together. And, you know, I love it when there's an editor has the chance that they're able to look at the stuff before they have to cut it so they can just, even if it just takes them 15 minutes, they look, okay, this is not what I have. And then you guys collaborate on it. And it's, it's really a three-person effort. And I think a lot of the time that's way better than a poor person has got to kind of do it. A solo journalist that's got to shoot it by themselves. Then they got to write it by themselves. And then they got to cut it by themselves. And it's just like, yeah, that's, uh, that's a lot for one person to do. And I just think it looks so much better. I mean, that's why national newscasts still have, you know, four people crews sometimes, right? And you can see the quality of the storytelling. And it's just, I love having a, it's like a tiny little Navy SEAL team of two at the start. <laughs> and then we have the, you know, and then we have backup back here. And you just go out and you go, all right, how are we going to do this? And you just try to do your best and say, well, we'll make it interesting. And, you know, it could be as simple as like, you know, we, the first person we have to interview, you could be going into the drabest office. It's like, oh, God. Well, we're, we can do it in the conference room. And you're like, okay, because that's the only space. And you're like, okay, how am I going to make this look interesting enough that it's just like a white wall and a couple of chairs? Well, okay, maybe I'll um, move the camera really far back and zoom in so I don't see much of the background. So I might be out. I've shot outside of the office, shooting into the office and using the door frame as a frame and just seeing the person and not seeing the reporter. So like the door is framing the person just for something different. Like I like to have things in the foreground and just to make it more interesting. If you go to somewhere and it's like, well, there's not a lot visually interesting where we have to interview this person. So how can I make it? Like you said, barista, yeah, you can have a little pink dinosaur. But if you're in somebody's office, maybe you shoot it a little lower and you have a stack of reports in front and maybe you can just see on there was one of the reports on what you might be reporting on that day. And maybe they have one of those and you have that. That's just a little bit in focus so people can see, oh, look, there's the, there's the report and there's the person talking about it, just to kind of keep it interesting. I get a lot of my inspiration from watching, uh, quite honestly, um, uh, our friends down in Seattle, like King, Cairo, and Como, they have a phenomenal photographers down there. They win national awards every year. That's probably one of the top two shooting markets in the country. Um, the, the stuff that those guys shoot and how they shoot it. And so I'll watch their newscasts when I get a chance, or I follow a lot of them on Twitter, on Instagram, and they'll post some of their stories or like 30 seconds of their story. And I can get inspiration out of that and go, that's a great idea. I'm going to use that. And quite honestly, that's what we do in this business. You steal other people's stuff and that, but it makes you, it makes for a better story. You've sent me stuff before. You're like, let's steal this. It's such a cool idea. And yeah. then we adapt it and we make it a little bit different, but I yeah. think it's important. They're looking at what we do is just such a nice way to kind of collaborate with people you've never actually met before and just kind of build on each other's creativity. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, you know, that's a, it's a fantastic market down there. And I think Vancouver is probably the best. And I'm sure if anybody's listening to this back in Toronto, it's not <laughs> going to be happy. With I think we probably have the best shooting market with all the stations and the photographers we have in the country. It's just some of the stuff is just amazing. And it's, it's just we're it's also good that we're allowed to do it the way we are. A lot of places, it's just they want to get it done and they need to get it done fast and it's fast turnarounds. And there's not a lot of tripod use and there's just not a lot of quality. And it's just you know, sausage stuff. And sometimes I don't have a choice and I have to do that because of time. It's usually just time. But otherwise, you know, just come something in the story somewhere that I'm just one little shot that I'm like happy with. Like, ah, it's going to work out nicely now. And you know, it might be a boring story on a report, but if I can make that report look interesting, 
Well, I just want to say that it's not just professional pride because videographers are supposed to be creative. It's, you know, nuts and bolts is fine, but you always want to, most of you guys try to do a little something extra because it's not just about you being happy with your work because I think that stories that are told from a slightly different perspective, that you see a slightly different perspective, that you maybe hear some sound that you didn't realize was there and takes you into that story, I think it's just much more powerful storytelling from a news perspective and you can appreciate somebody's point of view or what their life is like or any other number of things when you can take people that little bit closer. And that does happen with uh, if we have a little bit of extra time to work on stuff, but it also comes with expertise from a professional videographer. And I think it's just, it's not just about you being happy. It's about pulling in that viewer and yeah. giving them a little something extra. Yeah. And I mean, that's not something you learn overnight. That takes, that takes time. And that's, that's just years of experience. And you know, it's, it's trial, it's trial and error too. Some stuff works and some stuff doesn't work. Right. So, and it, also here, there's a lot of pressure from the other guys in the department, right? Oh, like, you're very competitive. Oh, yeah, it's right? very, it, we're a very competitive uh, group of guys and ladies. And, you know, if somebody does something that's not really that good, somebody might in passing go, hey, what happened to that white balance? That guy looked a little blue. Do you have oh, a, that was kind of shaky. Where yeah, was your tripod? Well, that person looked pretty green. Did they have some bad fish before the interview <laughs> or something? And so, you know, it's like, all right, very funny. Ha, ha, ha. So, yeah, there's, they're always watching you and you're watching their stuff and you're picking up stuff. And it's, it's a good collaborative effort. You know, they're pushing you. You don't want to hear from them unless they, you only want to hear, hey, that was a great job. It looked great and stuff like that. But they, you know, they keep you on your toes. You keep them on your toes. And it's the same with the reporters and stuff. Hey, I saw that. It looked great and all that kind of stuff. And it's really, it's one of the last, I think, team, team sports in a sense in a, in a company. It's like, it's a, it's a great collaborative effort to put on a story and just be, you know, tell people stories. Well, and I know that this electric plane story is going to make everybody in the newsroom, uh, they're going to say, wow, they're going to be super jealous. And I think you're going to get a lot of pats on the back for the amazing work that you did. So thank you so much for a five camera shoot and for being <laughs> on uh, BTS with CTV this week. Well, I'm sure I've just challenged somebody in the department to try to go to six cameras at some oh, point, boy. but uh, I wouldn't mention any names, P. Klein. And so we <laughs> will see what happens. And yeah, uh, it's been fun. And uh, hopefully we get to do something again pretty soon on this. I also want to thank Adam Lee for his support with archival audio this week. And thank you for joining us on BTS with CTV. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover on a future podcast? Email me bts at ctv.ca and if you like what you heard, please subscribe for more insights, tidbits and the stories behind the stories. I'm Penny Daflos. Daflos.